Welcome to the Stunt Show, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Good Thursday afternoon. My name is Mayor Furtig. You're listening to the Stunt Show on the Nachum Siegel Network and NachumSiegel.com. The Stunt Show is heard every Thursday at 1 p.m. Brought to you by a rotating cast of characters, including Jordan B. Gorfinkel, Daniel Gordon, and Mark Zamek. My name is Mayor Fertig. Mark Zamek will be in this seat, uh, figuratively speaking, a week from today, bringing you the next installment. But for today, you've got me, and uh, I certainly hope that you enjoy the show. First of all, let me start by wishing everybody a happy Tubishvat, especially if you're a tree, and I uh, hope you're enjoying your day. And uh, I will also point out that uh, we're coming to you from the uh, headquarters of the Orthodox Union, my day job, uh, Chief Communications Officer of the OU. So we're in our uh, tidy little studio here, and my thanks to, uh, to Alex Cook, uh, who is our engineer today. And uh, we will get started by my telling you about a remarkable... Uh, piece of uh, piece of writing that we put up on the OU.org website uh, last uh, several nights ago, actually, I should say. Uh, it is called Better Late Than Never, a letter to Ariel Sharon. It is written by uh, somebody I met recently when I was in Israel named Hillel Scheinfeld, and uh, he wrote a letter to the family of Prime Minister Ariel Sharon, actually, telling them the story of his and his wife's Aliyah from Tinek uh, a little more than 10 years ago. And uh, I, I can't recommend enough, wherever you are in the world, whether you're in Israel living there already, whether you're thinking about Aliyah, whether you're far from thinking about Aliyah, this is just an incredible piece of writing that uh, I would urge you to take a look at. Uh, Hillel tells the story of having an opportunity to make Aliyah that sort of came a little bit out of the blue. And his wife and uh, and he and his wife having to make a fairly quick decision that they agreed to make together as soon as he returned from a business trip overseas. And he got to Moscow, which was the site of his business trip, and encountered an opportunity to hear a speech by Ariel Sharon. And he found himself sitting four feet from the prime minister. This is in 2001, I believe. And what he heard changed his life. You've got to read it. So it's called Better Late Than Never. It's a letter to Ariel Sharon. It's on OU.org. And uh, you could also, from OU.org, uh, register to receive Shabbat Shalom, which is the weekly email update, weekly email newsletter of the Orthodox Union. And uh, it's uh, quite a wonderful collection of articles every week that appear on OU.org. And you can uh, sign up to receive that each week in your email. And uh, this story, of course, featured prominently there this week. It's the Stunt Show, and uh, my name is Mayor Fertig, and now let's turn to uh, our, uh, the main course, so to speak. I have a very, very special guest who I'm excited uh, to welcome to the Stunt Show. I'll introduce her in a moment. I'll tell you that she's the author of a new book. She's also somebody who uh, is uh, well known to many as a, as a very uh, inspirational speaker and an inspirational personality, and uh, her book is excellent. Her name is Chava Willig-Levy, and her book, A Life Notwithstanding, five words. Chava, welcome to the program. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. I'm so glad we're having the opportunity to talk. I've been looking forward to uh, to speaking with you on the uh, on the air for quite a while. It's always a pleasure to speak to you in person, so uh, I had reason to think that this would be just as much fun. So uh, I, I appreciate that. Um, your, your book is uh, A Life Notwithstanding. That's Correct. five words, as you were uh, careful to point out to me, for good reason. Uh, for those who don't know you, maybe don't know your story, a thumbnail sketch, please. Well, um, I'm a writer, I'm an editor, and I'm a very proud wife, mother, and 
recently joined the greatest club in the world. I'm a I'm a bubby now. <laughs> Mazal tov. Of the delicious little medulla. And um, along with all of those things that I've mentioned, um, I'm also a polio survivor, um, and I get around in a motorized wheelchair. Uh, and I decided that um, I've written about so many things, but I, for a long time, I wanted to try to write something that would shatter stereotypes about people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. And that's where the idea you know, came for this book, A Life Notwithstanding. Such a brilliant, brilliant play on words. Well, I hope people get it because, as, as you and I mentioned to each other before, if it were three words, a life notwithstanding, <laughs> right. it, would be, it would be conveying, well, you know, she's had a life despite her disability. And of course, my point is a person can have a wonderful life with a disability. Correct. Correct. And uh, certainly uh, anybody who knows you uh, has has certainly figured that out for themselves if they didn't know it already. Um, it's, how did you come up with the title, by the way? I mean, is this a pun that's been floating around in your mind for years, or is this something that there's a story behind it? You know something? I I have this thing about sometimes I'll, I'll be writing and everything is a complete blank and I'm in a panic, you know, about anything, a, an mm-hmm. article, an essay. And all of a sudden, something just comes, and I always feel like as if Kivyachol, as if as if Hashem, God, is literally a funny way to put it, is sort of sitting on your shoulder and whispering in your ear. I don't know where this came from, but I consider it nothing short of a miracle um, that that it just came into my head. Um, so I don't I don't have a story, but I just know that it was a a thrilling moment, Mm -hmm. you know, a real kind of epiphany uh, when it happened. Right. And uh, I guess, uh, obviously, we, we, you know, we can talk about, you know, the divine source of inspiration, but ultimately as well, it is uh, obviously your own innate uh, creativity. So, uh, so that is, uh, it's just, (laughs) I I enjoy, I enjoy reading it each time I look at it because it's just (laughs) so clever. Um, I'm wondering, uh, Chava Willick-Levy is my guest, her book, A Life Notwithstanding. First of all, is this your first book? Have you have written other books, right? No, um, this is my first book. Um, I've, I've written a lot of other things. For uh, Originally, I was writing for women's magazines like Ladies Home Journal, Family Circle, mm-hmm. Women's Day, Parents Magazine. I'm proud to tell you that I wrote an article, an essay for Parents Magazine that received more letters to the editor than any article in the history of Parents Magazine. That's the good news. Yeah. The bad news is that 95% of those letters were hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> what was it about? It was called The Bad News About Barney. Mm-hmm. Um, I need think I, I remember need, this. Need, need I say more? <laughs> it, it, the point about the um, essay was that most people, um, if they don't like Barney, mm-hmm. it's because they find him annoying, and who doesn't? Right. But my but my point was that Barney wasn't just annoying; that Barney is dangerous. And wow. I and I went on to explain, you know, why I felt that way, and I backed it up with um, quotes from mental health professionals, um, and people were furious, you know, <laughs> um, so much so that I had to write a. Um, a kind of almost like a PR 
um, reply. A follow-up. Right, because when when they had, I guess it was the next month, all the letters to the editor were devoted to that essay. <laughs> and I they paid me a little extra to sort of explain that I really wasn't trying to get Barney off the air. But anyway, he's, sadly, he's still here from what I understand. Don't mess with my purple dinosaur. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Um, it's, by the way, I should, I'll try to find out. Um, that, that essay is actually online. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to... I'm going to Google it while we're talking. Yeah, it's, you, people could read it if they want. It's somewhere up online. That's fantastic. I think possibly on my website, um, com. Right. has a section with some of my essays. I think that's where you can find it. <laughs> that's excellent. Uh, oh, yeah, right here, chavawilliglevy.com. And, uh, oh, my goodness, this article is included in a um, in a website with the uh, URL de.jihad.net. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, you get around. <laughs> That's excellent. Wait, this is news to me. I guess the FBI is going to be, um, or the CIA or something is going to be ringing my doorbell right, now. Exactly. So this is from uh, February of 94. Mm-hmm. So just about 10 years ago that you wrote this. Wow. Right. That's really great. Um, so your book, A Life Notwithstanding, first of all, where can people get copies of it? Well, at the moment, it's being sold on Amazon, mm-hmm. um, both as an ebook and as a print book. Um, it's, it just came out uh, in December, and I'm still trying to figure out how to make it available in bookstores for those right. people who are still living in the 19th century right. and, and don't shop online. Um, right, or people I, like Barney who don't have opposable thumbs and find it hard right. to type. Funny you should mention that because um, uh, one of the things about my life, which is just amazing. You probably had no idea that you were doing a segue into the book, yeah. but um, but um, there's a whole chapter in the book called One Finger, One Thumb, hmm. and um, it's because polio, uh, in many cases, um, one of the first things that sort of can go is the muscles that enable your thumbs to oppose, and so um, my, my first two surgeries were mm-hmm. um, what they're called opponents transplants where they took a muscle from my ring finger and stuck it into my thumb. A- anyway, it's just funny that you should mention the phrase opposable thumbs. Um, but just as, getting back to the book, yeah. um, I'm, I'm delighted that I'm being invited to speak in various um, synagogues and whatnot. And needless to say, of course, I always come with books so that if people right. wish they want an inscribed book, I'm always obviously more than happy to co- comply. Right. Right, absolutely. Okay, so, but in the meantime, certainly people can go online to Amazon.com absolutely. and order A Life Notwithstanding from ha- by Chava Willig-Levy. Okay, right. so you mentioned one chapter in the book. Over, overall, would you, would you call the book a memoir or an autobiography? Absolutely a memoir. I, fu- I figured out, and this was a very big step in the process of writing the book, mm-hmm. that at first I thought I had to kind of do everything. You know, I had to cover you know, my whole life, right. but a friend was, I bless her, she said, you know, a memoir doesn't have to be about your whole life. It could be about a segment of your life. And so um, I guess I decided, and it, and that was a huge relief, that I didn't have to, at this point, go into 
you know, my married life and being a mother, it, even though that's certainly interesting, that wasn't my, my purpose. My purpose was to look at surviving polio, surviving the segregation that was a part of my, my childhood and, and surviving the, um, the stigma mm-hmm. that, um, was part of my life, but of which I was in, um, unaware um, until I was about twenty twenty one when I began to realize that I intended to get married just like everyone else. You know, right. I was interested, sure. and it was a shock to find out that virtually everyone thought it was totally unrealistic um, for for me to think that anyone would want to marry me. You know, a woman with um, a, a deformed body, uh, you know, mm-hmm. with with paralyzed muscles, and so, so th- I decided that I wanted to focus on that part of my life, and um, you know, and the struggle to, in a sense, to fight tooth and nail not to internalize that message. Right. Um, well, you wrote about it very movingly. How, how did you win that battle? I mean, so many people, first of all, would have probably given up. Um, and so many more people might have fought it, but not succeeded. What, what happened? What was your story? Well, I'd have to say certainly that a big piece of it, without question, um, would be my parents. May they rest in peace. I mean, there was never um, a shred of of sort of pity or, you know, cluck, 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 you know, ay, 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 mm-hmm. neb, you know, nebba. Like there was just none of that in my, in my childhood. And, um, I, I think that was a very big piece of it. Um, I, I think I was just part of a very, thank God, normal, happy home. Um, and, uh, so that, that was a big piece of it. Um, I, oddly enough, I think, Another important piece, although it may not sound like it, and I, and I make mention of this in the in the book, is that um, just at the time when I was really being that I was like being hit over the head with this completely unexpected message, namely nobody's going to want to marry you. Right. It ha- this happened um, during my junior year of college when I was actually. Studying in a you know in, in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and um, and I what in other words my family wasn't with me and it was a very oh hold on a second <laughs> oh hold on a second sure my guest is Chava Willig Levy she's the author of a book called A Life Notwithstanding and uh, she's a, a remarkable personality who uh, is a, a wife a mother and now Baruch Hashem a grandmother. And uh, is also, as she said earlier, a survivor of polio as a child and uh, has written a really remarkable book about, uh, as she said, not about all of her life, but a por- portion of her life. And uh, and I'm glad we're having the opportunity to talk. So, Chava, you were saying... I apologize. Somebody walked through my door and I, I didn't realize. I'm so sorry. That's I'm back. okay. Um, where was I? That, that is, so during that horrible time... Mm-hmm. You were um, a junior, you said, in college studying exactly. in Israel. Yes, and I was at um, wonderful friends of my parents um, who were, um, you know, just incredibly rational people um, who were somehow able to uh, take in my 
hysteria, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, right. um, a very, you know, normal, self-absorbed 20-year-old uh, <laughs> right. kind of weeping, you know, over the outrage of it all. Right. And, and they were really just great. Um, and the point is, I was visiting them and I noticed on their bookshelf a very skinny book that just caught my eye. It was I remember it's I can see it in, in my mind's eye, black background with one word, little word title in pink and orange. It was just like, it looked like candy, you know? Mm-hmm. And the name of the book was Stigma mm. uh, by Irving with an E, Goffman, G-O-F-F-M-A-N. And this book, I would have to say, saved my life. Um, wow. He was a sociologist. Mm-hmm. and He was writing about people who society, whom society viewed as stigmatized and, and it included all kinds of categories like people who had disabilities, people who were um, ex-convicts who had done their time and now wanted to be a part of society and society was saying, hey, we don't want you, we're not going to give you a job. Right. Or obviously people who are, let's say, black or just many different categories and he included in the book um little excerpts of people's memoirs and one of those mem- uh, memoirs that he quoted and this is the part I think that especially uh, changed my life uh, was and again this is actually also something in the in my book um, there was a memoir called The Little Locksmith by um, Hathaway Catherine Butler Hathaway yeah. and she talks she had um spinal tuberculosis where her back was very curved. Wow. My back is curved too. And she talks about the first time she was allowed to get out of bed after many years in bed. She lived in the early part of the 20th century and how she goes to the mirror and she looks and she's like, this can't be me. <laughs> I'm I'm a charming you know, lively, popular member of my family. And I, in other words, struggling with what the mirror is saying right. and how, she, in a sense, she had to also say, but that's not me. The real me is is the inside me. The point is, in other words, that that book, I think, shaped my life uh, tremendously in a very positive way. This again, in addition to my parents, and this again, of course, in addition to to Torah uh, Judaism, which is saying that even if we don't always see it, we believe that God is our um, navigator, our co-pilot in life, which is why, I don't know if you noticed the book cover, people, my book cover has a, a sailboat. Yeah. And people wonder why in heaven's name, I mean... Like people say, I didn't know that you were into sailing, you know, but it's it's really supposed to be an an allusion to one of our favorite um, uh, P.U. team uh, poems from Yom Kippur. Right. Ki hinei kahege biyad hamalach, like the um, helm or, you know, the steering wheel in the hand of the sailor, so are we in your hand. And I guess that's one of the themes of the book, that so many things that happen in life may not appear initially to be God guiding us lovingly, but 
sometimes we're lucky enough to look back and realize all along that it was God um, giving us a gift that might not have seemed like one at the beginning. Right. My guest is Chava Willig-Levy, the author of A Life Notwithstanding. This is the stunt show on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Furtick. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you're enjoying the program so far. I hope you're enjoying my conversation with our uh, distinguished guest. Happy Tubishvat, everybody, on this uh, Thursday. The stunt show is heard every Thursday at 1 on NachumSiegel.com on the live stream on the Nachum Siegel Network. It is brought to you by uh, a group of four. The next one on the rotation is Mark Zamek. Uh, the other two are Daniel Gordon and Jordan B. Gorfinkel. I guess Jordan is probably coming after Mark, I believe. And uh, so every Thursday at 1 on the Nachum Siegel Network, and of course anytime on the uh, archives and on podcasts, you could do all of that stuff at the Nachum Siegel Network. Many ways to get you our uh, wonderful and varied product. Uh, certainly the, an amazing program schedule that you should check out at NachumSiegel.com. Chava, you uh, keep going back to, and, and mentioned several times, I should say, um, your your parents and uh, and their profound influence on your life. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, how how this began for you and, and how your parents reacted, how you reacted? Sure. Um, well, my um, I know that my parents, like I'm sure millions of others, were ecstatic on April 12th, 1955, when Dr. Jonas Salk announced that his polio vaccine worked. Wow. And you can imagine the euphoria all across the country and the world. Sure. But it took time for the vaccine to be distributed. Uh, and so four months later, uh, on August 13th, 1955, uh, I contracted polio. My parents, knowing that polio um, often uh, reared its ugly head in the summer and often uh, in big cities, we lived in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. um, decided for the first and only time in our family history to splurge on a summer up in the uh, Catskills they, in a bungalow colony. Right. And um, and. It was Dafka that up there that I contracted polio, and no, I, I ironically, often, yes, I very ironically, and yet, um, and this was something that my parents often told me. Oh, actually, I'm sorry that they didn't tell me, but that I found out later that you know there were scores and scores of children up in the bungalow colony. Polio, when it when it's in an uh, active um, state at the beginning, mm-hmm. when it, it's highly contagious, not a single other person contracted polio up in that bungalow colony. It was just me. And even though, obviously, no one asks for this, no one's particularly happy that it happened, um, that fact alone, for me, is proof that, you know, Hashem, you know, was coming in for a pinpoint landing here. And um, I don't know why. As Rabbi Blech, maybe you know Rabbi Rabbi Benjamin Blech. Sure. He once told this to me, and it's always stayed with me, uh, quoting a Hasidic master of long ago. Mm-hmm. He said, Ribona Shalolam, master of the world, I don't need to know the farvus. I don't need to know the why. I just need to know that there is a farvus. I need to know that there is a why. And so when I think about what happened, the fact that no one else but me contracted polio up in that you know, bungalow colony... I can I can clearly state that 
clearly this was God's choreography. Uh, anyway, so just to tell me if I'm giving right. you too much information. No, not at all. I, my, my basically, my there are two kinds of polio. That mm-hmm. um, one is called paralytic um, um, spinal polio. I think it's called right. paralytic polio. That's the kind that most people are familiar with. Where you know muscles like legs, arms, um, you know, like if you've seen Yitzhak Perlman, mm-hmm. violinist, you know, it's th- that kind of uh, paralysis. The other kind, which is m- more unusual, is called bulbar, B-U-L-B-A-R, mm-hmm. polio, and that's um, where the breathing muscles are attacked. So I was um, in an iron lung. An iron lung. Yeah, at the beginning because I couldn't breathe. And um, it's it's a very low tech machine, but it, it's a big thing. It's like looks like a cylinder that's horizontal, lying on its side, mm-hmm. and you're you're basically in there. And it, there are like these bellows inside the iron lung that sort of breathe for you. So it, um, I don't remember. I was only three at this time, but but my parents always talked about it, and I also um, found my father's. Uh, pocket diary from that time, and I did place at the end of the book um, an appendix yeah. where I where I have my father's uh, entries um, covering the time from when I contracted polio um, until I was around six years old, um, because I felt that that filled in a space in my life that for me was largely blank. Right. Uh, not not large. I mean, certainly the age three, four years old. Mm-hmm. I don't have too many memories. But um, the doctors told my parents that I would never walk. Um, and one of their fam- favorite stories, my parents, is about the day that I was maybe something like five years old. I was back home from the hospital and I was, you know, propped up on the couch. And I decided to wiggle off the couch and um, holding on to it, I sort of took steps around, you know, the couch. Mm-hmm. My mother came from the kitchen and saw this, and, um, you know, she was just, you know, shocked and quickly put me back on the couch and called the doctor and said, um, my daughter is walking, and they said to her, sit down, Mrs. Willig, you must be under a lot of strain. Oh. They, they thought she was hallucinating or something. Right. Um, and but the, she wasn't. Not at all. And the point is that doctors, you know, have a very, or I should say maybe some doctors, have a very sort of narrow way of looking at things. So technically they were right. When you walk, you need muscles that are called quadriceps. And my right quadriceps um, really don't work at all. So they just said, well, she can't walk. She doesn't have quadriceps working in both legs. But what they didn't count on was, number one, that a kid doesn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> and second, that there is a way to substitute by using muscles in your hip and throwing your body. Obviously, when when I take a few steps, which I'm able to do, mm-hmm. um, it certainly doesn't look the way you look when you walk. Um, but who cares if... Right. if you can take a few steps. I, I, I am not able to take more than a few steps uh, now um, 
because of post-polio syndrome where I'm much weaker than I was. But growing up, mm-hmm. part of my life, um, I wasn't using a wheelchair, um, but now I use it all the time. It, it seemed to me from part of the, from from a section of the book uh, that the, the decision to use a wheelchair was, uh, in some sense, a pushback against against the medical professionals. Did I understand that correctly? That is correct. Um, I I remember very clearly um, after being in the hospital for about a year. This is when I was a teenager. Um, mm-hmm had um, what's called a spinal fusion, wow. and because I had been, um, you know, in in bed pretty much for about a year, uh, there was what they call ambulation therapy afterwards to try to get you a little back to, you know, taking some steps. Right. And, and you know, I remember them saying, you know, I'd be saying, listen, this is exhausting, and they'd say, well, no, you, you, know, you want to throw that wheelchair away, don't you? And I... I remember saying, well, "Wait a minute! What? What do you? What's wrong with a wheelchair?" You know, some people like to use this phrase, um, "confined to a wheelchair." Mayor, right. mm-hmm. you know? sure. And I, I'm always stunned when people say that because I think of my wheelchair as something liberating. Um, it's, it's when I'm not in a wheelchair that I feel confined. Because um, because you don't necessarily have the ability I mean, to move. Right. As well I mean, as you'd like. Oh, I mean, I, when I'm not in my wheelchair, I'm I'm trapped. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I can maybe take a, you know five steps, six steps, but it it for me that feels like I've walked ten blocks or you right. know or it's exhausting. It's exa- and I and I it, it'll get me nowhere with five steps, six steps. Right. But when I'm in my power chair, hey mayor, watch out! <laughs> this, my power chair goes seven miles an hour. Oh, if, I, if you and I were taking um. You know, race, I think I would win. You would leave me in the dust. Exactly, and I get great pleasure out of that. <laughs> <laughs> so the, I, I think that the notion that a wheelchair is the enemy or, or in the medical profession, you know, like a sign of we failed mm-hmm. is a terrible uh, injustice, you know. Right, when in fact it, it can be a great liberator. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. Tell us about your education. How did you uh, did you have the opportunity before college to uh, to attend school with uh, children your age? My first time ever going to school, um, if you want to call it school, uh, I was nine years old. My my parents wanted me to go to yeshiva, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, back then, um, yeshiva buildings were not wheelchair accessible. So um, I didn't have that opportunity. I'm happy that now things are so much better and, um, you know, it should continue Mm -hmm. more and more so. Um, So I finally, I was on a waiting list and I got to, um, I got accepted to a public school in Queens and I thought, whoa, this is great. I'm going to get to go to school with everybody and be like everybody. And sadly, what I found out was that I was going to be in a, a single cramped room um, where uh, kids with disabilities would, it would be kids from grades four through eight in one room with one teacher. Um, and we never mingled with the other kids in the building. We never even were allowed to eat in the cafeteria 
because it was considered an insurance risk. Wow. Now so, these were, these were all children with with physical issues or any any with with mental limitations. It's funny you should say that. Um, there were kids with um, purely orthopedic disabilities like my own, mm-hmm. but there were other uh, kids who had um, physical disabilities together with intellectual disabilities, um, mentally retarded children. And the funny part was is that there was another class next door, uh, which was for kids who were mentally retarded, but they didn't have uh, mobility impairments. So the common denominator in our room was that everyone had a mobility impairment, and therefore we belonged together. To me, this is pretty insane. And and, and another weird thing about it, in my opinion, is that Mm -hmm. these classes were called, get ready here, uh, health conservation class. Health conservation class. Yes. Why? uh, Well, because disability and illness were equated equated with each other. Um, You know, I think we've come a long way. That's the truth. That's... You know, you, thinking about it from the from the perspective of 2014, I mean, you know, here at the OU, uh, we we have a large group of colleagues who uh, operate an organization called Yachad that I'm sure you're familiar with. Sure. And uh, the Yachad's entire, you know, their raison d'etre is inclusion. So much so that they like to render it with a capital I in italics because they, they want to make sure everybody gets it, that that's their mission. And that is to... Uh, to have anybody who's uh, has any sort of uh, disability or limitation uh, to be included in, uh, in in the larger community, and the thought that children who were you know mentally wholly sound uh, would be segregated in a classroom with children who were not simply because there was a as you said an orthopedic uh, issue uh, that's it's pretty insane. It's horrifying. You know, if 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 you'd allow me, I I wanted to say that. Um, when I wrote this book, I, I sort of had um, a, sort of a three-point, um, um, what would be the credo, yeah. a, like a three-point credo that was sort of um, motivating me to write this book. And one of the three points was that people with disabilities are victimized by a prejudiced society, not by the disabilities they happen to have. Mm-hmm. And I think this was an example of that, you know, the, that, that if, that this kind of education, you know, that's where I felt victimized, you know, not as much as I didn't want to have had polio, um, I didn't feel victimized by it. Oh, just, I didn't really fully answer your education question. Do you want me to quickly? I, I do, actually. I was going to ask you to elaborate. I just want to tell everybody who's listening, in case somebody's just joining us, that uh, my guest is Chava Willig Levy, the author of A Life Notwithstanding, which is available at Amazon.com as a print or an e-book. Uh, my name is Mayor Ferda. You're listening to The Stunt Show on the Nahum Siegel Network, heard Thursdays at 1 at NahumSiegel.com on the live stream. The Stunt Show is uh, brought to you weekly by a group of, by monthly, I should say, well, weekly, by a rotation of four people who, through the course of a month, uh, bring you the show. Mark Zamek is in next week. And uh, there are many, many other programs on the Nachum Siegel Network. So if you're just happening across this one, please do check out the entire program schedule at NachumSiegel.com. And you can listen live, you can listen on uh, tape delay through the archives, or even uh, through podcasting. 
and there are many ways to enjoy the uh, many, many excellent programs at uh, at the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, so turning back, uh, Chava, to your education, uh, you were going to elaborate on how, how did you finally become an educated individual? Well, finally, in ninth grade, I was able to attend a public school in Queens where um, I was one of 1,000 children in the, you know, in my grade. There were 4,000 kids in the school, Francis Lewis High School, in case anybody out there is an alum. Um, and it was the first time that I was actually allowed to be in classes with other kids. And it was, you know, departmental and, you know, it was thrilling, you know, to take French and to take math and to, you know, things that just were, it was, it was like a, I was like a kid in the candy shop. It was sure. wonderful. But nevertheless, um, I yearned for uh, a Jewish education, um, and I was thrilled when um, I was able to go to uh, Yeshiva University, Stern College for Women. Um, that was the greatest thrill in the world, to finally you know, be in a Torah institution. And, um, mm-hmm. so that, and then I, after college, um, I, had, I went for a master's in uh, rehabilitation counseling at Columbia. And then, although I didn't finish my PhD, I was then in a PhD program mm-hmm. in uh, for counseling psychology. And um, that pretty much covers my education. Right. Wow. Why did you decide not to finish the PhD? Oh, boy. Um, Sore question? I could withdraw no, no. it. <laughs> um, you know, I had 18 credits to go. And, well, okay, if you'll basically... Um, I found that I wasn't, I wasn't feeling very fulfilled about it, and I had this wonderful epiphany. Um, I, while I was going for my doctorate, I was working as a career counselor, and my boss sent me to a um, workshop to observe um, the person giving the workshop. It, it was um, a kind of a career. Um, exploration kind of workshop and I was supposed to learn how to do a similar workshop Mm -hmm. and the person giving the workshop said, you know, I know you're here to observe but as long as you're here, why don't you participate as if you were, you know, one of the attendees. So she did this uh, exercise that changed my life Uh, and Mayor uh, Vahame Vinyavin from our past, you might recognize this, she had everybody create what she called a brag list. Yes. Where yes, where you were to write down ten achievements of yours. It could be at work, it could be at home, doesn't matter. Things that you did that made you that you did very well and that made you feel wonderful. And after doing that, she asked us to circle the three of three of those ten that meant the most to you. And then to look at those three things and to see if there's anything common in common, uh, any theme that you could pick up. Right. So my three things were reading stories to my nieces and nephews and seeing them sitting at the edge of their seats. That was number one. Uh-huh. Number two was uh, giving the um, keynote address at Torah Leadership Seminar, which was a uh, uh, YU program, a key yeah. program. And getting a standing ovation. And right. the third was teaching a song with harmony to teenagers at Torah Leadership Seminar and seeing them get 
a standing ovation. Now, needless to say, the theme was that I'm a kosher ham, that I love the spotlight. And it suddenly became very clear why I was not happy in my graduate program because I was learning to be a therapist. And the idea was, you really have to be quiet and, you know, be that blank uh, tabula rasa on which your patient, you know, works out their issue. Right. And, and, And therefore, I was suppressing a very important piece of who I was. And that was why I, a very long answer to why I decided not to finish my doctorate. No, I'm, I'm glad I asked, actually. <laughs> That's really interesting. And, of course, it gives me some insight into the whole uh, brag list, uh, whole brag list concept. Um, you have uh, you have done, I believe, quite a bit of, uh, I guess we could call it inspirational speaking, if mm-hmm. I'm correct. Yeah, but I, I try to avoid the word inspirational. Fair enough. I, I, you know what I always tell uh, when I speak in schools, mm-hmm. um, I Particularly, I have a workshop called Mommy, What's Wrong with That Lady, which is a lot of fun. <laughs> and um, But I always tell the um, principal or whoever's going to introduce me, mm-hmm. um, I, I say, listen, I, when you introduce me, please don't use the word inspirational and please don't use the word special. That You can call me brilliant. You can call me fascinating. You can call me drop-dead gorgeous. But please do not call me inspirational or special. And um, so, yes, but I do speak. Um, my, my subjects are often, you know, Jewish, not always, but, you know, things about uh, Gamzula Tova, that things are for the good, or prayer, or um, providence. And very often my speeches are peppered with uh, autobiographical anecdotes. But but it is not, um, well, here I am um, to tell you my story. Um, like, a, you know, I, it's more that I have something to share, some thoughts often of a Torah nature. Right. And then I, I hopefully can um, illustrate those points with, stories from my own life, and, and that's always a pleasure to do. You must have done, uh, over the years, many such appearances. Uh, do any any particular ones, any particular reactions to those appearances stick in your mind? Well, oh gee, I mean, it's there have been a lot of wonderful um, uh, moments where people, you know, have either come up to me afterwards or... Um, you know, have written to me, emailed me afterwards. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Uh, I guess the biggest thrill, and in fact, it just happened yesterday. I was um, I was at the Mag and David Yeshiva mm-hmm. in Brooklyn. Sure. And it's the biggest thrill is when the, my workshop is over, and they say, "Okay, time now for lunch," or "Time now for you know next class," yeah. and you see, you know. 15 kids, everyone else is walking out the door, but 15 kids come running over and they're sort of like in a half circle in front of me and they still want to ask me questions and they still want to tell me they enjoyed it. And um, for me, that's the biggest thrill because what I'm hoping is that this is a new generation and that, you know, what I'm, what I'm after is not to be admired and, you know, Again, where that word, the I word, you know, inspiration. Right. That is so not what I want. What I want is what I always call um, 
the ho-hum inclusion, you know, just just like, oh, yeah, oh, Mrs. Levy, right, she's the lady who loves music and 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 loves etymology and 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 likes kids you know these are things i sort of tell the kids about myself mm-hmm. and i want them to walk away from this going oh yeah mrs levy she's the one who likes this and does this and she yeah and she gets around in a wheelchair too you know right. but whereas the wheelchair is a piece of who i am and and that's why when I speak, the the pieces of who I am, including disability, are are there, but they are not, um, they are not there uh, exclusively. They're just a piece, and they're an important piece. Right. You know, no question. But it's there. It's not the main piece. But the goal the goal is to get to the point where it's not just in your own self that uh, you are much more complex than this one facet, but everybody sees you that way. That's exactly it. That's precisely what I'm looking for. And the, the book I'm hoping is going to help to convey that. That's, um, you know, that's a, a very important piece of, you know, mm-hmm. of who I am. The book um, is called A Life Notwithstanding. The author, who is uh, our guest, Chava Willig-Levy, you can get A Life Notwithstanding, five words, at Amazon.com as an ebook or as a print edition. And, um, you know, you you talked at one point in the book, Chava, about uh, getting back to something we touched on earlier, which was uh, the period of time when you wanted to begin dating and so forth. And you expressed some disappointment with attitudes in the, in the Jewish community uh-huh. um, uh, to to people, you know, w- with disabilities. Um, and But we also talked about how it's not, the you know the 50s and the 60s anymore and things are different today and shuls are accessible yeshivas are accessible what are if any what are some of these are there any anecdotes uh that you've participated in in getting an organization or or a facility to open up and become accessible uh have you had any uh need or opportunity to get involved in these things yourself and what are what are some things that you've been involved with uh i would say um Recently, um, not as not as involved in, as my husband uh, Michael, mm-hmm. but there are um, two organizations that uh, we both are very excited about. Um, one of them is called uh, Yad HaChazaka. I don't know if you've heard of it. I haven't. Oh, it's wonderful. Um, it's let's see, it's Yad HaChazaka, the Jewish Disability Empowerment Center. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's run by um, Sharon Shapiro Lax, mm-hmm. uh, L-A-C-K-S. And um, it's if I'm talking too much, you got to tell me. No, but it's, no, it's no, a, no. this is a funny story. Um, I met Sharon, uh, who's about I guess maybe ten years younger than I am, mm-hmm. when I was in graduate school, and I had a field placement at her school. She um, this was a, in a public school. She has. Um, cerebral palsy, um, and um, she's like, I'm telling you, brilliant, she's brilliant. I mean, she's mm-hmm. just unbelievable. And um, she subsequently, you know, uh, became a balachuva and is married uh, to a wonderful guy named Wayne. And, um, and when she got married, um, both she and I at the time used to wear um, snoods or berets as opposed to uh, shadles or right. wigs. 
Um, so at the time, she said to me, Javi, if I ever write my memoir, I know what it's going to be called. And I said, I said, what? And she said, I'm not Javi. <laughs> because she said whenever she like went to a wedding or something, people would come over to her and say, oh, are you Javi? Um, you know, it's like, oh, of course, you know, sort of like, Oh, wheelchair, female, right. something's on her head, must be hobby. Anyway, the point is Sharon um, started this organization, and the idea behind it is that um, it's about making the Jewish community um, fully accessible um, to people with disabilities, and mm-hmm. it is run by um, people with disabilities. So it's you know very much about empowering people to be in charge of their life, um, which, uh, forgive me if I'm going mm-hmm. back for a moment to no, my book, okay. but I mentioned to you that I had these like three, kind of like three points, three point credo. Right, and as you were I writing. just remembered mm-hmm. one of those three points was that people with disabilities should be in charge of the, dis- of the assistance that they might require, and that is that they should be free to be independently dependent. I always tell people that if I were to sum up my life or my philosophy of life in two words, it would be independent dependence. You know, I'm definitely dependent. I I need help with just about everything, mm-hmm. but I am in charge of the help that I need. And that really is what Yada Chazaka is about. So I, I was part of their um, first, you know, um, opening... Session when they first came into existence, and they recently moved to a new location in Brooklyn, and I get I got to do a book reading over there. My husband Michael is on the board. Mm-hmm. Um, the other organization is called uh, CSB Care, um, and that stands for Computer Sciences for the Blind. And that also um, really more my husband Michael, who happens to be blind. Right. Um, but the that organization. Um, also, was just doing incredibly important work, um, not only for people with visual impairments, but for anybody who um, can't access Jewish texts, uh, perhaps because of a severe physical disability or other, you know, medical condition. Mm-hmm. Um, Nahum Lehman, who who is the head of that organization, is a computer whiz, and he's created phenomenal. Um, programs, software programs, and it's really worth checking out. So, but it, so I'm I'm not as involved in those, but um, but I I'm a big fan of those two organizations. Right, right. Okay. Well, that's uh, I could see where those would be uh, close to your heart. So <laughs> that certainly makes sense. Our guest is Chava Willig Levy, author of A Life Notwithstanding, available now on Amazon.com. Uh, you're listening to The Stunt Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Fertig. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, the show is every Thursday at 1 on NachumSiegel.com. And uh, we have a couple of minutes left in this week's installment of The Stunt Show. And uh, Chava Willig-Levy, uh, just a, a question or two more for you, if I may. Sure. Um, I am uh, I'm wondering what it was like uh, as, uh, you know, we, we've talked about how you like to be perceived and, and how schools and community organizations are slowly, slowly coming along. Um, as a parent, 
what was uh, what was your experience? Uh, you described your experience as a student. What was your experience as a parent in dealing with schools and so forth? And have things changed for the better, for the worse? Well, um, I'm my my children. Of course, one of the um, factors that we had to think about when considering where our children should go to school mm-hmm. is, you know, is the school accessible? I, I mean, I would like you would I would never want my child to be in a school where I could not pick them up after school if there was a need for that, or right. um, if there was a school play or a sitter party, and I wouldn't be able to be there. I mean, that just was, that, that would be pretty uh, awful. Exactly. So so that certainly was a factor. Um, somebody was just remembering uh, the other day that when I would pick up my kids in school, um, my kids would hop on the back of my wheelchair <laughs> and we would sort of, you know, speed off uh, into the into the distance and how other kids, you know, were just salivating. <laughs> I have this great mental image of this. And I, and of course, I would gladly, you know, they would get a chance to get a ride too, you know, especially in the playground. Right. Um, and I that was just a thrilling thing for me that people could see that a wheelchair is cool. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Um, as a parent, I think uh, I wanted my kids. Um, to see each of us, you know, obviously both their parents have disabilities, and and to see their parents three dimensionally. Um, I guess this maybe this is wrong of me to give away the last page of my book, <laughs> but um, I think if it's with your permission, I'll sure. just say that um, there's a, a, literally a half a page epilogue of the book where. I'm describing um, my daughter, Tahila, was three years old, and um, our son was in a stroller. Aaron, he was, you know, only a, a year old. We were heading for the playground on Riverside Drive. We lived in the city then. Mm-hmm. My husband was pushing the stroller, and um, Tahila was getting a ride on the wheelchair in the back. And um, all of a sudden, we heard, like, marching sounds, and coming uh, in the street, coming around the bend, was a parade um, and our daughter, who again she was three, she pointed and she said, "Ima, look, a parade! Abba, here, a parade!" Wow! And we, like our mouths, just dropped open. It was like, "Wow, isn't that what you know?" I always feel like almost like Mashiach is right around the corner when it when society reaches a point like that where, you know. That's, that's remarkable. But, yeah, it was just an unforgettable moment, something I'll treasure forever. Wow. That's uh that's really something. Yeah. That is really really something. Um I you know, almost don't know where to go from that. That's 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 great. Uh so uh, clearly uh clearly as uh, as a parent, uh, as parents you did something right. Well, that's uh which is which is probably all anybody can hope for. Oh, like we all have a third partner, as we know. Right, know. exactly. Wow. Fascinating. Chava Willig Levy, the book is called A Life Notwithstanding, Amazon.com, in ebook and print editions. Uh, Chava, before we, uh, of necessity, say goodbye for this conversation, um, is there any, any final thought you'd want to leave, uh, want to leave with, uh, with our listeners? Well, um, I guess 
I just hope that uh, the book will um, enable people to look at people with disabilities as um, three-dimensional people, you know, not brave souls to be admired, just as friends, neighbors, um, relatives, just just people who have uh, so many dimensions to their lives. Um, that would be the greatest um, reward I could think of. And I, I want to thank you for letting me be on your show. Oh, uh, the, believe me, Hafa, the pleasure is all mine. Believe me. Um, but I, I thank you, and that is a very fitting final thought, and it's actually something to really think about. That's, uh, that's not something necessarily that, that occurs to everybody. So that, uh, that is, a, that is a really food for thought, and thank you. Uh, with that, we will uh, wrap up this edition of The Stunt Show. Remember, it's heard every Thursday at 1 on the Nahum Siegel Network at NahumSiegel.com. A Life Notwithstanding by Chava Willig-Levy, available online at Amazon.com. And uh, Chava, thank you again. I appreciate your time. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Okay. Take care. My name is Mayor Fertig. This is The Stunt Show. We'll go out with uh, Kalachai. My thanks to uh, everybody at the network. My thanks to Alex Cook, our engineer today. And uh, thank you, listeners, for uh, spending some time with us. Certainly appreciate it. Mark Zomik in next week, or that's the schedule anyway. And uh, till next time, everybody, all the best.